Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me, as always, are my friends and action colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And the three of us will do our best to handicap uh, this week's midweek Premier League action, and then we'll stop in uh, La Liga, Ligon, give out our favorite underdogs for the week ahead in soccer, and then our best bets in the Premier League to wrap up the show. Hey, maybe we'll even even sprinkle in an Aussie Open bet or two if we can massage it in naturally. This is a soccer show, but if a tennis bet comes up, no one's going to stop it here. Uh, and we're going to start on Tuesday afternoon, 2.30 p.m. kickoff, a, another relegation six-pointer. This one between Burnley, still in the Premier League. They still play uh, soccer, haven't played since January 2nd. They played two games since December 12th. They're plus 120, hosting Watford, plus 240 Watford off of a 1-1 draw against another team in the relegation scrap, Newcastle. And the draw is plus 245 here. BJ, the reputation that Burnley has garnered over the past decade or so in their two jaunts through the Premier League is that they are a sturdy defensive team, really tough to break down. They play like the weather cold, rainy. You don't want to play against this team. That's not really been the case this year. And they've been leaky on defense. They do play some pretty high events uh, soccer just because they do generate chances off of you know set pieces, corners, etc. And then you got Watford, who are the high event kings of the league. There's only one other team in Europe's five big leagues that ha- doesn't have a clean sheet. It's Watford. It's someone else. And BJ, I'm going to go to you for the trivia on this question because it is in a league that you love. And I want to see if you can guess the other team that doesn't have a clean sheet this year in soccer. Ooh, I am going to go with Lorient. It's Bordeaux. Bordeaux, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah. But the, the point I'm making here is that these two teams, Leaky, they can score. Is that pointing yeah. you towards an over? Oh, of course, yeah. I love the over here. Like you mentioned, 
Burnley hasn't played since they've played two matches basically since December 12th. But in those two matches, they looked horrible. They allowed six goals to Leeds and Manchester United. And like you mentioned, the story with Sean Dyche's teams over the past, they set up this defensive 4-4-2. They're sturdy. They block shots. They prevent you from putting crosses into the box. That has not been the case at all this season. In their 4-4-2, they're allowing 1.58 expected goals per 90 minutes, which is really, really bad when you're playing that, trying to play at least that defensive. And Watford offensively, they haven't been that bad this season. The 13th in non-penalty expected goals, shots per 90, and big scoring chances. They just created 1.5 expected goals and had 30 shot-creating actions against a similarly bad 4-4-2 defense in Newcastle on Saturday. So I think there's a really good chance that not only do they get on the board, maybe they get on the board twice here. And, you know, this turns into an open, free-flowing style of game that we're probably not expecting to see. However, on the flip side, like you mentioned, Watford is the worst defense in the Premier League, especially lately. 11.2 expected goals allowed in their last five matches. When we talk about Burnley, we always have to talk about the set pieces. Watford has allowed nine goals off of set pieces this season. That's third most in the Premier League. So even though Burnley doesn't have Chris Wood anymore, even though Maxwell Cornet is at Africa Cup of Nations, I do think they'll be able to create some chances, especially in the box, maybe close in. So I love over two and a half goals. I have 2.71 goals projected. So over two and a half goals at plus 110 is is a good number for me. I'm with you to an extent. I I actually think there's a generous price out there on Burnley over two and a half team total, over four to one, it's plus 425 right now. Like you said, Watford's defense, they give up scoring chances for fun. And I think this game could be a wide open affair because if there's an early goal, whoever concedes that early goal needs to go out and get a point because this, like we said, this is a relegation six-pointer. Burnley at 11 points on 17 games played. Newcastle's at 12. Norwich is 13 points. Watford at 14 points with 19 games played. And then there's Everton. Don't even want to talk about what's going on there. They're at 19 points as well. So those five teams in the relegation scrap right now. And you could say because they do have games at hand, Burnley are uh, less likely to be relegated at the current point compared to Watford. But, you know, an early Watford goal and all of a sudden Burnley's chasing this game. And I actually think they're more suited this year than they have been in years past to do so because they are playing these kind of more wide open games than we're used to from the Clarets. Anthony, do you see anything that tickles your fancy in Burnley and Watford? Not particularly. I think the one interesting thing is where are the goals coming from for Burnley? We're looking at a team who has three guys who are healthy, who average over 0.28 expected goals per 90 this season. Jay Rodriguez has played four 90s. Uh, he has 0.28. He has not scored this year. He's created some chances, but he has not scored. Maxwell Cornet, who is away at AFCON. Chris Wood is gone. It's Matei Vidra, who has also played four 90s and started two Premier League matches. Chris Wood, losing him, it wasn't a sale by Burnley. And I think that's an interesting situation because Burnley clearly had no intentions of selling him, but with the release clause being the way it was, they had no choice. And I wonder how that affects a team who is already short on goals, who's played two matches, like BJ mentioned. They played a very shorthanded Leeds team. We keep talking about how they're completely injured, yet they got pretty dominated in that match. And they played United, and United's looked bad against everybody they've played except that Burnley game. So I'm very hesitant to back Burnley at any number as a favorite at home. And I'm lean toward Watford, but I don't really trust Burnley to score. Uh, And so I'm staying away from this game. I think it's going to be an ugly game uh, and one I will not regret staying away from, I think, when it's all said and done. Good news is the weather's supposed to be beautiful in Burnley on Tuesday, a high of 39 and wow. sunshine, which is the first time we'll see sun and maybe, I don't know, Sean, Sean Dice won't days. That. He won't <laughs> let that happen. He's going to, he'll, he'll call it some, like Kevin Costner and uh, calling the sprinklers or something. Exactly. And make sure to muddy up the pitch, turn this into a, a mud fight, turn it into like 1958 
<laughs> at the uh, the other end of the spectrum, there's another game on Tuesday, 3 p.m. kickoff between Brighton plus 390 at home, coming off a draw against Crystal Palace. They're hosting Chelsea minus 135. They're coming off a 1-0 tough defeat to Manchester City. The draw is plus 280. We talk about it all the time. This Brighton team, they profile as a great underdog because of the way they can play defensively against better teams like Chelsea. And I think this is a clear letdown spot for the Blues after that loss to City. The title race is now gone. What are they playing for? They're pretty safe in that top four. So I think this number on Brighton is really good. Plus 390 at the moment would play it down to plus 340 or so. The Seagulls fifth in non-penalty expectables allowed, second in big chances allowed. So this team can... Cloud a result against the Blues, Thomas Tuchel's Blues. Uh, Anthony, Seagulls? You know, it's not a jam-packed slate of Premier League matches, but there's a few spots that I know we all tend to look for, and one of them is Brighton at home as an underdog, where they have been one of the best teams in the league at home for the last two years. Uh, This is not a new thing. Last year, they were in the top five in XG difference at home. This year, they've actually fallen off a little bit but they're still sitting in eighth at home. So they've clearly shown that they are a difficult team to break down at home. But when you throw in the fact that these two teams actually pretty recently played at Chelsea, and even despite the being on the road, Brighton was the much better team for pretty much the entire match. Chelsea had a hot start. They had a few chances early. They scored off of a set piece that I thought should not have counted. And then for the next 45 minutes, Chelsea did not attempt a shot. The total shots were Brighton 18, Chelsea 11. They scored a late goal to get the equalizer, but it was very deserved in stoppage time by Danny Welbeck. There are some concerns for Brighton here. They will not have uh, Enoch Mwepu or Yves Basuma, who are probably their two best midfielders, but they are getting healthier in defense and uh, should have both Welbeck and Maupay available for this one as well. Also, you mentioned the spot for Chelsea. Sandwich between City and the big derby against Tottenham at, uh, coming up on the weekend. Not a good spot for the Blues to go on the road to the South Coast. And so I took some Brighton as soon as it opened. I like it down to plus a half at plus 120. BJ, for the listeners out there, I mean, you can watch the show on YouTube every week. You are wearing a Brighton shirt. I'm guessing that means you're coming with Anthony and I on the Seagulls. It would be kind of weird if if you weren't. Yeah, I love Chelsea. Now, how do you how do you how do you stay away from Brighton here? This is an unbelievable spot, and you know one of those situational spots that only comes around you know once every few months. Anthony already mentioned it, but you know you go back to when these two teams first met. Brighton was able to control fifty one percent possession, which is really really good. You're facing Chelsea. They won on expected goals one point one to zero point nine. Twenty six shot creating actions, only eleven for Chelsea. It was a very very dominant final sixty minutes from Brighton. We're able to really just their build up play and controlling possession moving forward into Chelsea's final third was very very impressive. And now they get to face them at home. So unbelievable spot for them. The match against Crystal Palace on Friday was hilarious because it was just the most classic Brighton performance that we saw all last year. They won on expected goals. 2.1 to 0.3. Crystal Palace basically just put away the one big chance they had and Brighton just kept coming forward in waves. And I think that's probably what we'll see here again. You know, Anthony mentioned the sandwich spot. It's not that great for Chelsea. So I don't really understand why they're all the way up at minus 135. And the biggest thing why Chelsea is able to dominate some of these smaller sides and why Brighton profiles is such a good underdog is Brighton plays through pressure so well. They're third in the Premier League in offensive pass per defensive action. Chelsea, when they faced Brighton, only had a, around a 21% pressure success rate when they usually average around 31%. On the flip side, Brighton's pressing was really good. I understand they had him way poo and they had Basuma for that match, but they had a 42% pressure success rate against Chelsea. That's really, really impressive. So this is an unbelievable spot for the Seagulls at home. Love them. Plus half a goal at plus 120. And this is probably going to be a two unit play for me. 
Yeah, the market opened Chelsea minus 160. That was the look ahead yeah. number prior to the Chelsea City game. Just an absurd opener. Uh, I actually had to do a double take because I didn't realize they had put this match in the schedule. And I, was, I thought it was a misprint uh, that they were playing yet again so quickly because they did just play right before Christmas. Uh, but it was not. And uh, that's just an absurd opener. And I'm expecting to see that market move towards Brighton mm-hmm. even more as we get closer to game time. Well, last time these two teams met, I don't know if you guys remember, but the market moved heavily towards Chelsea at the very end. And I was kind of, you know, shocked by that because there wasn't really, you know, obviously Brighton, I think was down maybe a few defenders. So, uh, and Lukaku, I believe was still healthy at that point, but now I agree with you. I I don't see how the market is going to move towards Chelsea in this. So if you want to bet Brighton, I would get in on it early. Yeah, Lukaku started that game and scored, but Conte didn't play. And it wasn't until he came on in probably the 75th minute or so that Chelsea had any possession sustainability Uh, for about 40 minutes there. They were completely lost. You can uh, pretty much pencil in this following game script. Great game. Brian hangs with Chelsea, nil-nil. Late winner for Chelsea. And they lose on XG by like maybe a goal and a half. So get ready for the pain on the South Coast. We'll flip the page to Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. Kickoff. Leicester City, they're playing. Maybe. Maybe they'll try to get another game canceled. They're plus 210 at home, hosting Tottenham Hotspur, who had their match canceled against Arsenal in dubious circumstances. Tottenham's plus 135. The whoa, whoa, whoa. Not dubious circumstances. Come on. We won't we even get in. Players. We won't even get into it. Look, Leicester set the precedent, so it's just a mess. Yeah, so Tottenham's plus 135 in this one. The draw is plus 235. I think it's a good spot for Tottenham. Similar to uh, what we're saying before with the Chelsea spot, Leicester City, they have, they've played twice in about five weeks. They have been off since December 28th. Who knows who's going to be playing on their back line? This is a very improved Tottenham attack that was gearing up for a North London Derby. And you can say it's a letdown spot, I guess, a little bit that they didn't play. But now they can just carry that over into a game against the Foxes, who they should be able to get by, especially on offense. So this Spurs team is is on the up and up under Antonio Conte. There's really no denying it. The numbers suggest it. So I think plus 135, even on the road, it might seem a little expensive, but I don't mind it in this spot for Tottenham. Uh, Anthony, as the uh, Tottenham fan on this podcast, I'm going to steer you away from the Arsenal Tottenham talk because that's not what people are coming here for. They're coming here for action on the game at hand. What's uh, what do you see for Leicester and Tottenham? Some of my favorite advices as people who are betting is you can't be afraid to lose. And maybe one team in North London was on Sunday, but that's okay. And that's, that's neither here nor there. We, we will that's get to that match next time it comes around. But health and uh, safety is more important, Anthony. <laughs> that's absolutely right. As far as this game goes, I'm going to do the ultimate hold your nose play, and I'm going to play an under on a team who can't defend set pieces for their lives, who are down a handful of center backs, uh, but they're also down a lot of attackers. And I think that's really the the, the big key here. Uh, Spurs will be without Hummin Son. That means we're likely to see potentially Giovanni Lo Celso in an attacking midfielder role, feeding Lucas and Kane. Still a solid attack, but not nearly as good without Son uh, Tottenham is. And so I think... When you take out an attacker and you put in a midfielder, that automatically sets you up for a bit more of a conservative game state that doesn't lead to as many chances being uh, created for Tottenham in this match. I understand Tottenham does have some attacking regression coming. That's a major concern. But this Leicester defense also isn't quite as bad as the market is suggesting here with this number. I was expecting this to be two and a half. Uh, They've conceded pretty solidly well over their expected goals defensively this year. And we talked about this before the match that was canceled. It looks like DACA is going to be back. But Iheanacho and Vardy are both out because of AFCON and injury. There's a lot of question marks about this attack for Leicester. And I do think Spurs 
under Conte are more equipped to deal with the counterattacks that Leicester will look to hit them on here. And so I think this is going to be a pretty ugly game that probably ends 1-0 or 1-1 either way. We can move on to the other Wednesday kickoff. It's a 3 p.m. Eastern showdown between the Bees, Brentford. I mean, I think it's fair to say they, they hung with Liverpool for long enough for them to have a shot at you know causing some ruckus. They had a really good chance. It was eventually offsides anyway to go up 1-0 in that game and then ended up not scoring it or not converting it next thing you know Liverpool's running away with uh the match but Brentford are four to one at home which makes a difference with this team taking on Manchester United odds on minus 135 on the road the draws plus 275 Manchester United's a mess man it doesn't even matter that uh, what their results are it's just very clear that this is still very disjointed team that looks uh like a a group of 11 players on a field rather than a team and it doesn't look like it's going to be getting any better anytime soon and this Brentford team, if that's the case, are going to pick them apart. That's just who they are. They are a, a very well-organized group, and they've been playing really well at home. And they've hung with the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United, etc. throughout the season, especially at home. Uh, so I think the money line 4-1 to here is great. I think Brighton and Brentford, my hope is you get one of them across with three points in this weekend. They're both hanging around 4-1 to right now. I don't really think the Brighton number will stay that high. Brentford number might. But yeah, I think this is great value again on a, on a good team, a good team that profiles as a strong underdog. BJ, what do you have for United and Brentford? Yeah, I love Brentford plus half a goal, plus 115. There's really no way of sugarcoating how bad Brentford has been the past five matches offensively, only 2.8 expected goals. But the good news is, is that they're pretty much fully healthy going into this match, and they've been much better at home than they've been on the road, plus 2.2 expected goal differential at home versus minus 5.5 on the road. Manchester United didn't really have that great of a performance against Aston Villa. They lost on expected goals 2.1 to, to 1. Villa had 34 touches in their penalty area compared to only 19 for United. United only had a 23.6 pressure success rate, which is very concerning because that's what Ragnick was brought in to do. He was brought in to sure them up defensively and to improve their pressing. And Aston Villa is one of the worst teams in the Premier League against pressure. They're 17th in pressure success rate allowed. So very, very concerning for United. And if you go back and look at their defensive numbers under Ragnick, they've allowed 1.12 expected goals per match in his five matches in charge. But the list of offenses that he faced is the exact opposite of Murderer's Row. It's Norwich, Newcastle, Wolves, Burnley, and Aston Villa. And all those clubs are bottom five and non-penalty expected goals for. So going up against a Brighton team that has struggled uh, against, has struggled offensively the last few matches, but with how wide open United has been in the midfield and with Brentford's pressing, I think that there's a good chance that Brentford could get on the board. And I think that their defense will be able to hold up enough. Ronaldo and Marcus Rashford are questionable. So if they're out, that obviously gives Brentford a big time boost. So I have this match projected pretty close to a pick So I love the Bs plus half a goal, plus 115. Anthony, you've been talking about you know, Brighton and Brentford. These teams that do profile as strong. Underdog bets, uh, I don't think that this case is any different, especially with the Bs playing in the friendly confines. Yeah, I think I bet on Man United like twice a year. And of course, they blow a 2-0 lead for me. Uh, somehow closes an underdog in that game the other day. Very surprising. But I think the most concerning thing about United, they ran out of gas. I mean, I thought they pressed relatively well. The second goal they scored came from winning the ball high up the pitch, scoring five seconds later. That's classic Ragnick ball. Good goal from Fernandez. But then the last half hour, Villa was the only team playing. I mean, Maddich was getting run by. Fred looked like he was kind of out of gas. They really struggled to deal with the attacks. And, and Varane also looked a bit slow off the pace. I know he's been injured, so he's just now coming back. So he was a little bit off of it. But really, I don't think United missed Ronaldo that much, but they certainly missed 
not having their midfield depth. Now they will get Scott McTominay back for this match. So that, that will help. They will also get Luke Shaw back. That helps them. But you mentioned it and I agree with you guys. This is a great Brentford spot. Let's look at United's last handful of games. They played on the road. So we'll go back. Of course, the match where Ole gets sacked, they can see 2.2 expected goals to Watford. Then they can see 2.9 on the road to Chelsea. They go on the road to Norwich, concede almost a full expected goal, barely win that match. They go on the road to Newcastle. They need a post and an amazing save at the end of the game to just get a point, and they concede well over one expected goal. They have a few decent defensive performances at home, then they go back on the road and completely fall apart in the final minutes against Villa. So a lot of concerns with this United defense, especially in transition, and that is exactly where Brentford will be able to attack them. You also have to factor in Brentford, one of the best teams in the league on set pieces. United has really struggled defending set pieces. And at the other end of the pitch, United has not scored on a set piece on a corner all year. So I think it's a very difficult spot for United on the road. And I agree with you guys. We'll make it three for three on the bees. The bees, baby. All right. uh, That wraps up the Premier League. We can go into the EFL Cup, the second leg of the semifinal between Arsenal, who are home, plus 195, taking on Liverpool, plus 135. The draw is plus 245. These two teams drew nil-nil in the first leg at Anfield. I got nothing here. I'm just kind of sick of the EFL Cup at this point. Like, it's just, it feels like it's been dragging on forever. And it's just been a complete mess with, you know, COVID stuff, Jurgen Klopp, I don't know what he was fussing around with tests. I just don't want to deal with the handicap here. And I don't really think there's too much value. I'm maybe Arsenal, if you're lo- really looking to get down, if you're going to be watching and, and you want action on this one, I think Arsenal two to one, I guess is be the only place I would look, but Anthony, uh, do you want to try to dive into this and make some sense out of what's been going on in the EFL cup? Yeah. I think we have to acknowledge that Liverpool put out a pretty strong team uh, last Thursday in that game. And they clearly played to win it. Granted, Jaka clearly played not to win it, but Jaka will not be available. Arsenal's still really shorthanded here. We're not sure of Odegaard's situation. He's got COVID, so there's a good chance he's not back for this game. Jaka again, suspended. So who's playing midfield for Arsenal in this match? And BJ can probably explain that better than I can, but I'm not sure. And so I think it's very difficult to see how Arsenal has any control over this game without its midfield. I know Liverpool is shorthanded. Mane and Salah are gone, but most of their back line and their midfield are getting healthier and playing better. So I think Klopp understands that the league looks like it's pretty gone. And so he's got a real chance here to maybe get us get silverware, even if he's not a really a big fan of the Carabao, but he's shown that he's willing to take it seriously. And so the only look here for me would be Liverpool. I don't love the number. I would probably want it closer to a pick because you have that extra time risk. If this is still tied, Whereas teams may play for extra time. If it's, you know, nil-nil late, you might not see a lot of motivation to win with both teams knowing that there's going to be uh, some extra minutes. But I think you have to look to Liverpool here with their ability to dominate the midfield against a pretty shorthanded Arsenal. Uh, The Premier League isn't the only major soccer competition going right now. La Liga will also have some midweek matches. BJ, what, what do you see? What's your favorite value play in Spain for the midweek? Yeah, I like Celta Vigo, Osasuna. Both teams have scored no at minus 120. Osasuna is one of the more defensive teams in Spain, and it's a very defensive league, so that's saying a lot. Their defense is really good. They're allowing only 0.95 non-penalty expected goals per match, but offensively, they really, really struggle to create high-quality chances, only 0.8 non-penalty expected goals per match. The thing about Osasuna is they play at a 4-4-2, and they try to really get the ball out wide. They don't really play through the middle of the pitch. They try to just play crosses right into the box. They're second in La Liga in that category. However, Celta Vigo, even even though they haven't been that great defensively they allow the sixth fewest crosses into their own box so pretty good matchup for them 
Also, Celta Vigo is one of the best pressing teams in La Liga. They're second in pass for defensive action, second in pressure success rate, and first in ball recoveries, while Osasuna is terrible against pressure. They're 18th in ball recoveries allowed and 13th in pressure success rate allowed. So it's going to be very difficult for Osasuna to play through the Celta Vigo's defense into the final third and create chances. I think this line is way, way too low. I have both teams score no line projected around minus 190. So I love the value on uh, minus 120. Anthony, do you have something for us in Spain this week? I do. Alaves over half a goal, minus 120 against Betis. They have a pretty good attack, Real Betis, but their defense is extremely overrated and has some regression coming. They rank 15th in non-penalty expected goals allowed per 90 and 17th in big scoring chances allowed. Now, I'm not going to tell you that Alaves is some attacking juggernaut. They have only created 19.7 expected goals this year, which is among the worst in the entire uh, league, and they are on the road here. But they haven't been quite that bad. They've only scored 16 goals from 19.7. So you would expect some attacking regression too. Betis defensively has been very fortunate. They've been fortunate at both ends of the pitch, really, if we're being honest, and, and their table position flatters them quite a bit. So I think Alaves is uh, is ripe to get on the board here and make this a competitive game. So I took over half a goal on a pretty limited slate, minus 120. Legal, BJ, you got something for us in France, eh? Yeah, I, I gave out this pick, I think, like two weeks ago, and the match got postponed, so I'm just going to go right back to it. Lil to win nil or in a shutout against Shocking. Lor- Lorient. At plus 140, Lille today, they drew with Marseille. They got a very well-earned 1-1 draw, even though they had a red card in the 30th minute. They heroically defended for the final hour of the match, were able to get a point. This is just an unbelievably good spot for them because Lorient, on the other hand, they played up a man for 80 minutes, about 80 minutes today, and they mustered only 0.6 expected goals on 14 shots against Angers. So... Overall for the season, Lorient has been one of the worst offenses in France. They're averaging only 1.02 non-penalty expected goals. They're 19th in box entries. They're dead last in big scoring chances created. And now they have to face the best defense in France, who has allowed the fewest big scoring chances. It's a horrible matchup for them. On the flip side of things, Lorient, one of the worst defenses in France, so it's no surprise that they're sitting in the relegation zone right now. They're bottom seven in non-penalty expected goals allowed, shots per 90 allowed, and big scoring chances allowed. The one area Lille tends to struggle a little bit is when teams press them at a high rate. Well, that's not really Lorient because they're 17th in passes per defensive action. So fantastic matchup here for Lille. I was looking at both teams to score no. That's at minus 110 right now. I think that's pretty good value. But in that same token... Getting Lil to win in a shutout, I don't think Lorient's really going to score in this one. So a good odds to plus 140. That's where I'm going. Lil to win nil at plus 140. A poetic way to close mm-hmm. that portion of the show. And now we move on. Uh, we, we've highlighted a couple underdogs that we think have some bite to them. So now we'll move on to our favorite underdogs for the week. At this point, I always like to say that these bets aren't for the fan of heart because they're underdogs for a reason. Uh, I'll start Brentford, 4-1 to one against Manchester United. I don't think, or I should say, there are very few teams that should be four to one or higher against Manchester United right now in the Premier League. And Brentford isn't one of them. Everton, that's one of them. Norwich, Newcastle, you can basically name the teams that should be this high at home against Manchester United. Brentford, they're too good for this number. Their defensive numbers have taken a hit. Their offensive numbers have taken a hit. However, they're still relatively strong compared to where we thought that this team was going to be. And they are a well-organized attack. 
and a well-organized defense going up against a team that is the exact opposite right now in Ralph Rangnick's brief tenure, his start. United just looked disinterested. They looked discombobulated. And I think you just should be taking this team on right now as often as you can, especially when you're getting numbers like this on teams like Brentford, who will give you energy, who will give you an honest effort at great odds. So four to one on the bees, buzz, buzz, baby, a team we like to back at odds like this. BJ, what about you? Brighton plus 390 at home against Chelsea. Unbelievable spot for Brighton here in the midweek. They just faced Chelsea about two weeks ago. We're the more dominant side for the final 60 minutes. This is a team that we all love betting on that profiles so well as an underdog against the bigger sides because they're able to control possession. They're able to press. They're able to play through the press. They were really, really good against Chelsea the last time. Got a real deserved 1-1 draw. They won unexpected goals. They had more shots, more shot-creating actions. Like Anthony already mentioned, Chelsea didn't have a shot after they went up uh, and scored the goal to go up one nothing you're not going to find a better spot in the midweek with Brighton here in a sandwich for Chelsea in a sandwich spot just having played Man City and having to play Tottenham on the weekend so give me the Seagulls plus 390 at home to pull off the upset Anthony we probably took the two teams that you were going to target you were the last person into the sheet today so what was your favorite underdog yeah damn right you guys took the two best dogs I think they were the two clear ones to choose and given our history on this podcast. We love those two teams, especially as underdogs, but there's one team that uh, I will cash a fade on at some point. Uh, I've actually stayed away the last couple of matches, but Sevilla continues to be a consistent overperformer of expected goals. They're sitting in second in the table. That's good for them, but their expected goal difference is eighth. So they continue to be pretty fortunate. Meanwhile, we have a Valencia team who has played very open games uh, in La Liga, at least based on the goals scored and, and allowed 32 Goals for 32 goals uh, allowed. That is pretty high when you consider their expected goals numbers are 24, 4, and 25 allowed. So I'm expecting their defense to uh, improve in terms of regression indicators. Uh, They haven't been quite as bad, and I think they'll be able to keep in check a Sevilla team that relies a ton on crossing. That's the Lopetegui special. They're number one in crosses completed into the penalty area this season. Meanwhile, defensively, Valencia fourth in preventing them. So a pretty strong area of defense for Valencia. I think they'll be able to keep the crosses out, get this game into what's really a coin flip situation. And so at plus 225, maybe we get a bounce or two to go our way with all the regression that's coming for Sevilla. I'll take Valencia plus 225 uh, at home. Valencia, Brentford and Brighton, 79 to one on the money line parlay if all three of those teams come through. Sounds tempting. This is once again where we like to say, and I feel good about it. Feel good about it this time. I really do. Let's wrap this show up with our favorite bet for the midweek. BJ, we'll start with you. Favorite Premier Yeah, League let's bet. make it. Let's let's do it again. Brighton plus half a goal, plus 120. One of the best spots in a long time for a great underdog. Brighton really kind of really undeserved 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace. One unexpected goal is 2.1 to 0.3. Just completely dominated them last Friday at home. Now they get a Chelsea team coming in in a sandwich spot between just having faced Manchester City and having to face Tottenham on the weekend. The last time these two teams faced, Brighton was really, really good at not only playing through Chelsea's press because Chelsea only had a 21% pressure success rate, but they were unbelievable at pressing Chelsea themselves, 42% pressure success rate. So I'm expecting that, again, even though they're not going to have Enoch and Waipu, even though they're not going to have Yes Basuma, it's still an unbelievable matchup for Brighton at home. So give me the Seagulls, plus half a goal at plus 120. For me, it's a, I think it's another good spot to target, and that's, Tottenham Hotspur plus 135 on the road. It's a little expensive for a team uh, going up against Leicester City, but Leicester hasn't played in quite a while. December 28th, Tottenham has been on the up and up under Antonio Conte. So we just don't know what kind of team we're going to get out of Leicester 
Kalechi Iannaccio is at AFCON. Jamie Vardy's hurt. The back line has been decimated with injury. Meanwhile, Tottenham, like I said, they're hitting their stride right now. So I think you're buying high, but I think it's a good time to buy high on Tottenham Hotspur plus 135, traveling to the King Power to take on the Foxes. Anthony, take us home, my friend. Yeah, I'll take Brentford plus a half, plus 120. The Bees have been a considerably better team at home this year than they've been on the road. Despite all of their struggles away from Brentford Community Stadium, they've taken on these big clubs like Arsenal, like Liverpool, like Chelsea, and they've really competed at home and kept all of those games close, either losing by one goal, winning, or getting a draw. They also played very competitively at home against Manchester City. Well, now they're getting another big six club in Man United, one that appears to be taking on water with all kinds of injury issues, squad depth concerns. They are getting some guys back here, but United has been really, really bad defensively in transition. They've also struggled to put a consistent good 90 minutes together under Ralph Ragnick. They do not score off of set pieces. Brentford has a huge advantage on set pieces as well in this game at both ends of the pitch. So I'm happy to back the bees at home plus a half plus 120. And I think they have a real shot to win this game. And that just about does it for uh, another episode of Wondergoal. Uh, for Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Lebuff. We'll see you again Thursday morning to preview uh, the weekend to come in the Premier League. And we'll probably talk a little Gail Monfils in the Aussie Open. He looks like he's about to win his first round. And I think all three of us are on him to uh, do some damage here in the Aussie. So if you want to jump on board with that one, come on the train, the La Monf train. Allez La Monf. Allez La Monf. And uh, with that, we wish you the best of luck in your soccer bets for the midweek to come.